This reading comes from John chapter 4, verses 19 through to 26. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Thanks, Ryan. Evening, everyone. Hope you're enjoying your soup and your dessert, tea, coffee, cold drink. If you haven't had that, please feel free to get up and just wander across and either have seconds or thirds until it's all gone and to do that. My task tonight is to teach God's Word to you and we are in this new series, Back to Basics, for this term. And it's where basically a couple of weeks ago we looked at membership, that it's not only about believing in the Lord Jesus and being baptised, we've got a baptismal service coming up in a couple of weeks, 27th of August for those who are getting baptised. It's about believing, being baptised, and it's about belonging, being committed to a local church and participating in it and following the Lord Jesus in it. Tonight, we are talking about uh, what happens when we come together as a church. It's about worship, our corporate worship. We worship privately, personally, follow the Lord Jesus, have times alone with him. But we also come together as a church family. And it's that dimension we're going to talk about over the next three weeks. Tonight, I'm going to talk about primarily about focusing on preparing. How do we prepare ourselves for this gathering, this meeting? And then next week we'll look at um, participating, what it is that we do when we come together, what does the Bible teach us about that, and what, how can we be participating, not just being consumers or spectators, but actually engaging. And then the third week is going to be about following that out. What happens at the end of a church service? Um, not just straight afterwards, but also in the days of the week. It's putting into practice our worship of God, that worshipping him is not just when we're gathered, but it's also we worship God when we're scattered. Before I pray, there's a little book that we, all the pastors have got and have been reading through. It's called How to Walk into Church. And it basically outlines the series that we're doing. It's a very small book. You can grab a copy of Kurong if you like. How to Walk into Church by Tony Payne. And certainly some of tonight's message talk is uh, coming out of that book. Would you um, hold your soup or dessert or drink, pause and pray with me, please. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity we have to come together as a church family and tonight to actually enjoy eating together, sitting differently, being, being able to connect with one another, but still, Lord, in this context and in this family environment, we want to listen to you. So we pray that you might be pleased to speak to us, challenge us, shape our thinking, and help us to engage in ways that are going to be pleasing and honouring to you. You're our Heavenly Father and you certainly seek worshippers. Lord, help us to become exactly that, those who worship, love 
and honour you. We ask in the name of Jesus. Everybody said? Passionate followers of the Lord Jesus, worship God and prepare to do so. That's our theme for tonight. Let's imagine what happened for you this afternoon. This is not true for all of you, but what happens about walking into church on most Sundays? Well, you make a decision, firstly, that you're going to come to church. It's commendable. Number two, you decide what you're going to wear, what you're going to bring with you, whether it's a pen, a Bible, or a device that's got your Bible on it, whether it's a phone or an iPad or something like that. You probably also make a decision about what money am I going to take? Will it be in an envelope or will it be loose cash? Or am I in a situation where I'm not able to do anything about that this week? Then you, having decided to come to church and gotten ready, you drive to church or you're driven to church, either by yourself or with your family. And it's been quiet in the car or you've been listening to stuff in the car or you've been arguing in the car or whatever. Then when you get to church, you find a car park, you get out, you walk, find your way, you walk up to the entrance of the church and you come inside where you are greeted by some welcomers or some greeters or ushers or whatever it is you want to call them. They might give you a bulletin, a smile and a greeting, nice to see you. And then depending on your relationship with them and if you know them, you might even just get a handshake, you might get a hug, whatever. If you're a first timer, then you might also be given a welcomer's bag, which is deliberately oversized so that we can identify you, so we know who you are amongst us. Then once you've got your bulletin, your bag, whatever, you walk into the end of the church over here and you scan the seating arrangements. Now tonight's certainly very different, but you would have done a similar thing. You scan where everybody, where are people already seated? Where am I going to sit? Where do I, <clears throat> who do I want to avoid sitting next to? Who do I want to sit next to? And you choose a spot. Usually not at the front, though for some of you, you do sit at the front. The Lord bless you for it usually to the side and maybe closer to the back and particularly if you're a newcomer it'll be in that section over there usually because you want to get near the exit so that you can't be pinned and you can get away as quickly as possible and that's okay we don't mind if you need to do that then when you're sitting there and other people are coming and normally in rows um, you'll smile feebly at the people who come and sit near you but not next to you that we give each other enough appropriate space um And then you might start to check out the bulletin, see who's preaching and go, oh, bother. And you've arrived at church. You might be anxious. What do they do here? Particularly if you're new. But if you've been coming for quite a while, you might have been hundreds of times, then maybe you come in with no sense of expectation. It's all routine. Out of the car, through the door, grab the bulletin, go and sit down in a regular spot, this side, that side, in the middle, at the front, at the back, just normal area where you normally sit. And you sit down and go through all of that process and you have low expectations. Some of you may have droopy shoulders. Maybe some of you are here out of duty or habit and not with any sense of delight or what's God going to do here tonight? Some people come and they say, I'm here to evaluate. They're looking at churches and trying to figure out, is this a church where I could fit in? And that's commendable. That's okay. Or somebody else might be here because I'm here tonight or I'm here today because I need God's help. I don't know where to go, so I've come to church. And that's a great place to come for exactly that. 
Or you might come and it might be, you're not sure why you're here. You might be feeling lonely or worried or you've got questions or doubts. Uh, but for most of you, I would guess, hope, that you do come with some sense of expectation, of something is going to happen, that you are going to meet with God, connect with God, that you are going to... I've got to drive this thing as well as talk to you. Um, connect with God as well as with one another. Worship is both vertical, it is connecting with God, but there's also a horizontal dimension to it. It is appropriate for us to do something like this in the context of a worship time. That it's about family. And families eat together and talk and listen and laugh and have fun together. And that should be reflected in our worship services together. Our Heavenly Father calls us together. And particularly part of our worship of our Heavenly Father is also the fellowship chats. So I hope you come and it could be through the songs could be some new insight, some new understanding, some phrase that you've never thought about before and you think, oh wow, that is exactly what Jesus is like. It could be through the, like the reading of God's word or the teaching of God's word that you get an insight into scripture or into who God is. <clears throat> There's lots of different influences, lots of different reasons why people come. In, in terms of influences, we come to church and sometimes, church is not perfect, we know that. This church is not perfect, we know that. Because we're not perfect. We're all broken. We're all messed up. We might be broken and messed up in different areas, but none of us have got our acts together totally. All of us have areas of deficiency, which is one of the reasons we need family and need one another. But sometimes in churches it can get ugly. Sometimes churches are divided and sometimes they quarrel and sometimes they get out of step with each other. And as we go through the process of worshipping together in that context, it can be a tough gig. Sometimes it is going through the routine. But sometimes that's commendable. It's a bit like, and I hope I remember to say it again later, it's a bit like young parents, like Andrew said, you know, how do you bring a, what's he going to do? His eyes are hanging out of his head and he's got bags under his eyes because he's a young parent. For all of you who are young parents, I commend you and applaud you that you come to church. It's a tough gig. I did it, you know, 300 years ago when I had kids. <clears throat> but times were different then. Kids could come to church then and kids could actually sit in church and be quiet. And you were allowed to slap them. That were the good old days. Or you could just glare at them and they knew what was coming afterwards. You heard about the little boy who played up in church, he was screaming, his mother, dad picked him up, was walking down the aisle of the church and as he took out, the little kid over his shoulder said to the congregation, please pray for me. <laughs> It's tough being a parent these days. You can't discipline your kids in public. You've got to come up with some other sorts of strategies. And there are far more distractions. Screens and phones and all sorts of things. So I commend you, particularly if you are a young parent, for simply being here. It's a tough gig. And, and so you should, so good. Also, another influence is what's going on inside of you, what's going on for you in your walk, your relationship at work, at home. There is a spiritual battle going on, and so the evil one will seek to discourage you from both attending church, but also then once you're here of engaging in church. There's all those influences. And then there's a very practical one. We are body-dwelling people. 
We are not spirit beings, we're not angels. We have bodies and our bodies need rest and they need food and they need water. And if you didn't sleep well last night, then worship becomes a little bit harder. Not impossible, it's just a bit more of a challenge. And then the most important influence of all, and this is where this book is very helpful, is what you actually think church is for. Your mindset, your understanding of why do we come together? What is the reason and the purpose for it? What's supposed to happen here and what are we supposed to do? And it's because of those things that's the biggest influence on our worship, our experience of connecting with God and even with one another. So what is church and why should we go? So just very quickly, <clears throat> church is a gathering. The word simply means those who have been called out, called together. They're an assembly, they're a family. We've been spiritually transferred from the kingdom of Satan to the kingdom of Jesus, the kingdom of light. And it's God's intention and will for his family to assemble together. We are called out of the world, we are called by God, we are called to God, to himself, with others, for his glory and purposes. That's what the church is. We live in a fallen world where we, along with everybody else, has been in rebellion against God. But because of Jesus, God himself came into our world and through his life, through his death, he paid the penalty for our sins so that we could be reconciled to God that we can now be part of the family of God. That's why when we come together now, we no longer have to meet like in the old covenant before Jesus came in a physical temple. We no longer have to offer sacrifices. We no longer need priests with special garments. But rather because of Jesus, now we are the temple of God. And when we gather together like this, we are the temple of God. This is the house of God, people. It's God dwelling in us. And Jesus says, when two or three of you, or whatever number, gather together, what? There am I in the midst. There's a sense of the presence of the Lord which is available for us in this context. And as some theologians, and I agree with them, would say, there is a sense in which Jesus is present with his people, which is not experienced when we are alone with the Lord by ourselves. There's something extra there's something else it's a means of grace that we can tap into and if you haven't been experiencing that <clears throat> it's worth thinking about because you're missing out this passage hebrews chapter 10 19 to 22 says this therefore brothers and sisters since we have confidence to enter the most holy place heaven itself by the blood of jesus by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is through his body and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled or cleansed from a guilty conscience, having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. We don't come to church, we don't gather as God's people, in order to gain God's favour. We don't come to impress God. We don't come to uh, earn brownie points with God. That's all been done for us through the Lord Jesus. We already have his favour. We are accepted and adopted. Well, then what's this about? Why are we coming? Well, in the book of Exodus, there's an interesting parallel. Chapter 19, 
The people of Israel had been in Egypt and being oppressed, like us being in sin and in the world. God rescued them out of Egypt. God has rescued us out of the dominion of Satan, out of sin. God led them through the Red Sea. We've been led through the waters of baptism. And then God takes them to Mount Sinai where they gather together before God to hear God speak his word and for them to respond. And in the middle of it, in Exodus 19, there is also this sense of preparation. We have been rescued, washed, called together, and we are to prepare ourselves now for our encounter with the living God, to hear him speak through his word and for us to respond to that in submission and obedience. That which happened in Exodus 19 is now the thing which is carried on into the church today. Hebrews 10 says, Therefore let us consider how we can spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Consider how we can do that. Think about it. Come back to that. Not giving up meeting together as some are in habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day, the return of the Lord Jesus approaching. So we come together as God's family. Church is about his assembly gathering together with a focus upon him, having prepared ourselves to hear him. He is central. He is clear. We go to church because we belong to the Lord Jesus. We belong to God's assembly. God made us for this, saved us for this. And it's what God wants a public witness to those on the outside, to those in your family or friends or whatever, who are watching you. You're testifying to them that God is important to you and you are subtly, gently witnessing to them. So church is about God's family assembling together. We come not just to give. We do come to give. We come to give God honour, and praise and adoration and thanks we come to contribute financially we come to give ourselves in submission to him we do come to give we come to give to one another to give encouragement and to be listening and to pray for one another but we also come to receive both have to go together we come to receive from God we come to give to him and to receive truth and encouragement and challenge the ministry of his spirit we come to receive prayer and support and encouragement from one another it's both we come to give and we also have to receive, which makes sense. If all of us came to give and none of us were receiving, then it'd be like, here, I would like to pray for you. No, 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 I need to pray for you. You would never receive it. So too, um, in every other dimension of the worship service, we need to both give and receive and we need to connect with God, but we also need to connect with one another. They go together which is a consistent pattern of the scriptures. It's loving God and loving one another. They go together. So God calls me, God calls us. If you're a follower of the Lord Jesus, he calls you to assemble with the family, which is named in heaven, which is manifested on earth in the local assembly. Okay. And then how do we prepare for that? What can we do? Well, here are six quick suggestions. Let me give you 10, 15 seconds of thinking time. You can talk to one another about it or you can just think for yourself. I said to Rhonda on the way driving here tonight, <clears throat> what should we do to prepare ourselves before we go to church? She came up with a brilliant answer. And I had, haven't got that on my list, so I might add that a little bit later. What do you think? 
10 seconds. What do you got to do to prepare yourself for church besides pray? Okay, time's up. 15 seconds worth of curling out. Thank you for the group at the table down here who said get dressed. Okay. <laughs> that would be appreciated. Something else? What have you got to do to prepare? What? What did you say, Rory? Drive, yep, if you don't live close enough. What else? Fresh out? Here we go. Here are six suggestions. Number one, and this book particularly I found quite challenging. It surprised me. They said the very first thing when you walk into church, you get your bullet and you come and you're scanning the congregation of where am I going to sit. They said then, pray. Lord, where do you want me to sit? Who do you want to sit next to me? Because that attitude, that sense of preparation, is acknowledging that God is sovereign and he is in control. And I am here not just to receive, but I am also here to give. So, Lord, I'm here to serve you in the context of this church family. So, by praying, asking God, Lord, where do you want me to sit? Who do you want me to be speaking to? Who do you want me to hear from? maybe even to connect with afterwards and to pray for. So here I am in church to serve you and your purposes. That attitude that reminds us of them. And we should also pray particularly, and some people in the olden days, I can remember when I first became a Christian and I went to church, there used to be this like, oh, I don't know, five, ten minutes, like silence before the start of the service where people would come and they would bow their heads and they would be preparing themselves. They'd be praying, they'd be reading the hymnal or they'd be reading their Bible or they'd just be meditating and they'd be quietly preparing themselves for the public worship of God's people. We don't tend to do that these days, though occasionally I see some folks who do do that. That's a good habit, to come to church and to bow and to pray, to prepare yourself. Pray for God to turn hearts to him. Pray for God to... Um, bring the strays and the people who are struggling and the prodigals, you know, the people who have nearly given up on following Jesus. Pray for God to speak to us. Pray for God to um, speak through the preacher. Pray for the preaching and the reading of God's word. Pray for God to work in our hearts and lives. Pray for yourself personally, for your mind, your heart, your walk with him. Is there anything you need to confess in order to be no hindrance? When you stand to worship and to thank and to honour him and connecting with one another. First thing to do, pray. Pray not just when you get here, but pray before you leave home. Pray the night before. Number two, think. The passage in Hebrews 10 says to consider how we might spur one another on to love and good deeds. To consider, to think. What can I do? What can I say to somebody else which is going to encourage and strengthen them? What can I ask them? Maybe even if you know the passage, read the passage beforehand and think about what reflections do you get out of it? What can you share with another brother or sister in the context of the family and chat with those afterwards? Think. Something I find personally helpful in the context of corporate worship in the thinking heading, I guess, is that sometimes, you know, you're tired or it could be a bit dull. 
And I find it helpful to make myself to affirm the truth of what I am hearing or seeing. So if we're singing a song, I look at the words and I'm saying, is that true? And if it is true, then I am affirming it. That's true, Lord. That's true. Yes, I agree. While the guy's preaching, uh, if you're struggling with it, then listen for the things that are true. Yes, Lord, that's true. And that helps you, helps me to concentrate. I agree, Lord. Yes, Lord. So think. We worship God not just with our hearts and our spirits, but also with our minds to love him with our thinking. Number three, personally, you need to prepare your body. Have a bath or a shower. Put some cologne on or something. Make yourself presentable, that's all. Um, groom yourself, comb your hair. If you're a guy, have a shave. And dress appropriately. Clean up. <laughs> Without there being a dress code. Because the reality is that somebody could walk in here off the street or somebody could come regularly and they could be in dirty clothes and shabby and, and smelly and they would be welcome, wouldn't they? I certainly hope so. Because we want anybody who walks through those doors to find this to be a safe place, it's a family place, everybody's welcome. But it is family and it is brothers and sisters. And if you smell a bit, well, if you're a brother or sister, have a word to one another. And if I spell, you button your lip, repent. <laughs> In terms of your body, make sure you sleep well. You need a good night's sleep. You need to be energised. You need to be able to concentrate and to focus. It's one activity in the week. Don't sort of rush into it at the end. And so too, you need to eat well and you might even need to hydrate. And because we are body-dwelling people, having windows open and having enough lights on and fans and watching the temperature in the room helps us. It either hinders or helps. And so we need to be aware of all those physical things and our own selves physically as well. So do something about your body. Show up. If you can, show up early. If you can, at least show up on time. Try not to be late. And again, young mums and dads, you're excused. Life, life is hard enough. Don't abuse the uh, opportunity. But it is understandable. But let me be um, honest with you and... Some of you are chronic latecomers. Church starts at 6.30 on Sunday nights, not quarter to seven, not seven o'clock. Let me read you something I wrote in the year 2000. Um, it takes a little while to get... True worship, therefore, requires the preparation of the heart and mind, not just the body. What many of us call worship is really just leftover energy, leftover time, leftover resources. We find it easy to stay up late Saturday night. True? I don't because I'm too old to do that now. But I used to when I was younger. And then to think that just because we showed up Sunday morning, we've worshipped God. We may need to prune some of our weekly weekend recreation and make sure we get enough sleep so as not to be arrived tired and sleepy. God deserves our best, not our leftovers. To rush into the assembly of God's people without thought or preparation makes it unlikely that you're going to really connect with God and honour him. Not impossible, just a little bit more difficult. We need to come together expecting God, expecting things to happen, to praise, thank, listen and respond to him um, with humble submission. 
here we go. We need to come promptly. Forgive me in advance. Remove the excuses for being late. If they are excuses, remove them. Life happens. Sometimes you're just going to be late and there's nothing you can do about it. Well, if that's the case, come late. You're better off coming late than not coming at all, aren't you? But you know what I mean. If you're in the habit of simply arriving late and there's no real reason behind it, perhaps that needs challenging in your life. We're not late for work, or if we are, we won't be employed for long. We get the kids to school on time, and if we don't, then you're going to get a note from the teacher. We keep our doctor's appointments on time, then to arrive late could reveal an inner attitude in your mind that perhaps the worship of God, the coming together of his family, doesn't have the priority that perhaps it should. It's not as important to you. It's like being late to a family dinner. Please come, don't miss out, come. But if you're late every time, then really, if this is you, then let me just speak honestly with you, or hopefully, I hope. If you are a latecomer, and an area of weakness for me, I'm not, you know, cured beyond this at all. If you are a latecomer, then be aware that you're wasting other people's time who are waiting for you, and it's not fair to them. I found that a helpful correction, because I can be a latecomer. And like I said before, mums and dads with little kids, the Lord bless you. Thanks for coming. Get here as when he can. So, show up. Number, is this five, I think? I didn't know what else to call it. Could go. The attitude is just simply be here, be present. It's very vital, like the similar one, just to turn up regularly on any given Sunday. A significant percentage of our church family are away. Holidays, emergencies, weekends away, family commitments. Could be a sporting opportunity that doesn't come along every weekend but does this time. And There's lots of things going on in our lives. And so this one, in terms of preparing for church, is really to say, this is a part of my life and this is what I am committed to. And me not being present is going to be more an exception than a rule. That I want to be regular. I don't want to be legalistic about it. If I turn up 52 Sundays out of the year, God's not going to be, you know, any more impressed with you than what he is right now because of Jesus. You're not going to earn any more brownie points with him. It's not about that. It's about considering one another. So plan around it. Lock it in when you can. And if you do have these other things that are happening, um, if you're away, then don't beat yourself up. Life happens. And God will go with you wherever you are and worship him in the context of where you are. My son and his wife, Gretel, and our two grandchildren went up to the Blue Mountains a couple of weekends ago. And uh, it was Gretel's 40th birthday, so it was a weekend away to celebrate that. And the grandkids on the phone Sunday night, they both said to Nonna and I, and we didn't go to church. (laughs) So here is this, what is Eleanor, eight, and Violet's nearly 15. Five. (laughs) Acts like a 15-year-old. They both already have at that young age just instilled into them the habit, we go to church on Sunday, we go to church on Sunday. There are some Sundays they don't go because they're sick or whatever, but this one was a weekend away and I guess they thought, oh, we'll go to church up there somewhere, but they didn't. So they did it together as a family. And is that okay? 
Well, you've got to work that out between you and God. I think that's okay. And then finally, enjoy. The Bible says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. When we come together as God's family, we should come with a sense of delight, of joy, not just duty, but come gladly, smile and relax and enjoy yourself. Psalm 16 verse 11 says, You fill me with joy in your presence. If we're really connecting with God, there's going to be a sense of joy, of delight. Sometimes there's going to be sadness and there's going to be, you know, correction and conviction and weeping. But joy will flood in and follow that also. Fruit of the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace. Or I love Psalm 37 verse 4, which is delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in him, love him and serve him. Like I said before, it's like a family dinner. And at a family dinner, there's lots of talking, there's lots of discussion, there's lots of laughter, there's enjoyment. But mainly, there's love and acceptance of one another. We're all in the family together. That's what God wants for us when we come together with his people. Well, in the passage that um, Ryan read to us, the Lord Jesus says to this woman at the well that... We Jews, you Samaritans, worship what you don't know. We Jews worship what we do know. Worship of God is based upon knowledge. And Jesus went on to say that our Heavenly Father seeks, desires, wants, is looking for those people who will worship him in spirit and in truth. In spirit means from the heart, sincerely, authentically. They'll be real. And in truth is according to scripture, your mind of thinking truth. It's the balance between mind and heart. It's according to God's word and it's sincerely offered up to him. To do that, we need to prepare. Well, what do you do if church is boring? You've prepared yourself and you come and it's flat. Uh, We'll talk about that next week. What do we do when we come to church? We'll talk about that next week. There are things that we can do even when church is a bit of a struggle and we have a role to play in it. We are brothers and sisters together, we are family together, and because of the time, will I, are we going to sing? I'm going to pray. Thanks, Heavenly Father, that you love us, that you are our Father, and that you call us together as brothers and sisters. Thank you for this service, thank you for tonight. Thank you, Lord, for us being able to enjoy soup and dessert together. And now, Lord, can you help us to enjoy singing together? singing to you, but also to and with one another. Lord, we delight in you. Help us to do so even more. We love you like you love us. Help us to do so even more. And help us to grow together as your family. We ask for Jesus' sake. And everybody said, let's stand, people. We shall sing.